The following is a teaching message from the chapel in Tiatatu. For more information about the chapel, please visit www.thechapel.org.nz. There are very few in this place this morning who wouldn't have their heartstrings tugged, their hearts torn at by some of the, the things we see daily in the media. And Lord, we can elect new politicians, we can protest, but Lord, it's a change of heart. It is a lifting up of the name of Jesus in this land that will see a change. And as Andy reminded us in his sharing, and as that words of that song remind us, Lord, start with me. Make the change in me, I pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Gay, for mentioning the 50,000. What you didn't mention is the week before we got 20,000. So we've had 70,000 in grants approved in the last two weeks. And uh, that's a really significant chunk of our annual income for the Trust. And for those who don't know, the Trust is responsible for... um, for uh, fulfilling the chapel's agenda for serving our community. It's a pretty simple way of doing it. If you want to take a biblical thing, you look back at um, when there was a debate in the early church around the, uh, the Grecian widows and the Hebraic widows were complaining that, you know, some were complaining they weren't getting a fair go, and, and so the apostles appointed uh, seven to wait on tables so that they, the apostles, could commit themselves to prayer and to teaching of the word. And, and that's, again, kind of the separation. And so the trust is not just a, an appendage, it's a critical part of the life of the chapel. And um, I'm really excited that we've got uh, Tersha and uh, Tina on staff as part of the front-facing of that and, and the team that we've got as our trustees. Um, and that God continues to open the door to fund uh, the work that we want to see happen in this place. This morning we continue our journey through the book of Genesis, uh, the book of beginnings, and we're in Genesis 5. Two weeks ago we finished in Genesis 4. The focus had been on the descendants of Cain through to Lamech and three of his sons. And we noted that uh, this Lamech is not the same, and not to be confused with Lamech, who was in today's little portion, who becomes the father of Noah. They're two completely different individuals, very different individuals. Uh, Last week, Andy brought us into chapter 5, and we began to look at the descendants of Seth, down to uh, verse 20, with the death of Jared, who was the father of Enoch, and so this morning we pick up in verse 21. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God, then he was no more because God took him away. When Methuselah had lived 187 years, he became the father of Lamech. After he became the father of Lamech, Methuselah lived 782 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Methuselah 
lived a total of 969 years, and then he died. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he had a son, and he named him Noah. And he said, he will comfort us in the labor and painful toil of our hands caused by the ground that the Lord has cursed. After Noah was born, Lamech lived 595 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Lamech lived a total of 777 years, then he died. After Noah had lived, or after Noah was 500 years old, he became the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Two weeks ago, we noted in uh, chapter 4 the, the descendants of Cain and the lineage from Cain to Lamech and right to his sons. Six or seven generations are mentioned in just two verses. Not a lot is said about them. In fact, um, very little. Uh, however, in last week, as Andy led us through the first descendants of Seth, as with this morning's reading, we're told several things about each descendant. So if we look at this, we find that when Adam had lived 130 years, then Seth was born, then he had more sons and daughters before dying at the age of 930. When Seth had lived 105 years, Enosh was born, he had more sons and daughters before dying at 912. When Enosh had lived 90 years, then Kenan was born and he had more sons and daughters before dying at 905. When Kenan had lived 70 years, then Mahalel was born and he had more sons and daughters before dying at 910. When Mahalel had lived uh, 65 years, uh, then Jared was born and he had more sons and daughters before dying at 895. When Jared had lived 162 years, Enoch was born, then he had more sons and daughters before dying at 962. When Enoch had lived 65 years, then Methuselah was born, then he had more sons and daughters, and at 365 years of age, Enoch simply left this world. He was taken home. When Methuselah had lived 187 years, then Lamech was born, then he had more sons and daughters before dying at 969 years of age. When Lamech had lived 182 years, then Noah was born, then he had more sons and daughters before dying at 777 years of age. After Noah was 500 years old, then Shem, Ham and Japheth was born, and then after the flood, he probably had more sons and daughters before dying at 950 years of age. If you're not a numbers person, it's easy to go, oh man, this stuff just goes on and on and on. You know something? That's a lot like 2022. Anyone else feel like that? 2022 has just gone on and on and on and on. It just seems so repetitive. And it's like easy to get to when will this bit be over and when can we get to the interesting bit. But even just sitting there before as Andy was sharing, I was just reminded that God does so much in what we consider the regular and the mundane as he prepares to do what it is he is planning on doing. Here's a slightly different graphic which gives a slightly different perspective. 
If we look, it shows each name, their year of birth, their year of death, from the creation to the flood. We quickly note that Adam was still alive when Lamech, Noah's father, was born. It's not until you see it like that you go, oh man, that's kind of correct. If you connect the dots. So here's Noah's father, Lamech, and his grandfather, Methuselah. What do fathers and grandfathers do, particularly grandfathers? They tell their grandkids stories. Well, Lamech and Methuselah would be able to say, you know, a few years back I was chatting with Adam and he was telling me about what it was like back in the garden. You know, we go, so where, where did they find out about... These guys lived very long lives and I can't imagine being Lamech and not going and finding great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather Adam to have a chat. It just adds some dynamics to the story for me. As we look at these ages, we may well ask the question, did they really live this long? And my answer is yes, they did, because I believe what's written. That's one of my choices. So in terms of an explanation, we can point, for example, to the, to the genetic purity of Adam and Eve. They were created in absolute genetic purity. And so it's the genetic breakdown that causes early death and decay. I could talk about telomeres if you want to go into that, but I'd have to do more research to talk about telomeres. There's the little bits at the end of the chromosomes that begin to unravel that cause us to age. That's what I can remember off the top of my head from biology. Also, as the curse began to work its way through creation, sickness and disease also entered the human story in increasing measure. Each of these things uh, shortens human life expectancy. However, there's also a belief that up until the time of the flood, it hadn't actually rained. There's no record of it raining prior to the flood. But when the flood comes, what we're told is that the, the, the springs of the great deep burst forth and the floodgates of heaven were opened. And um, the idea that prior to the flood, the there was this massive water vapour surrounding the earth. And so that the earth was like a, a massive greenhouse with this water vapour creating this greenhouse effect. And we're worried about global warming and the greenhouse effect. It was kind of like, that was kind of the perfect place to be. The whole earth was like one great greenhouse. What that water vapour also did, of course, was block a lot of the uh, dangerous uh, radiation that comes to earth from outer space. So if you spend too long out in the sun, you get sunburn. But it's the ultraviolet light and other radiation that comes from the sun that also actually causes damage to us. And the idea was that this, um, this water vapour uh, covering around the, around the atmosphere would have protected humanity. But there's also a verse in Genesis 6 that whether these things contributed to it or not, God decreed... And it seems in Genesis 6, 3, he says, My spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they are mortal. Their days will be 120 years. So I've met a couple of people who's planned to live out the 120 years. Um, and it can be done. Some have done it. 
but most of us don't get to 120 years and none of us get to 969 years. And so I believe the ages are true. But for now, for now pre-flood, we have this remarkable long life expectancy. And Methuselah stands out as the oldest man who ever lives. But the question that nobody's been able to answer for me, but it's quite possible, how did Methuselah die? It's possible that he drowned. He died in the year of the flood. Now he may have died just ahead of the flood. He may have died in the flood. Let's not make the mistake of thinking everyone who died in the flood was a bad person. God was bringing judgment on all people. The New Testament, Jesus says that God sends the rain on the just and the unjust. God was beginning the story afresh and he brought judgment. The difference is that those who drowned in the flood who were righteous, not as righteous as Noah, because Noah was clearly the righteous one in his generation, that's why he was preserved, but others who were basically good God-honouring people, like Methuselah and Lamech, I would imagine, they would have gone to be with the Father. Just as Adam probably did when he died. The righteous were still saved through the blood of Jesus Christ, who was the Lamb who was slain before the foundation of the earth. People like Abraham, who lived by faith, are saved still through the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. There wasn't a different way into heaven after the cross. It was still only ever through the cross. It was still through faith in the promised coming Messiah. And so there would have been good, godly people prior to the flood who would have been in heaven and we will get to meet. There's a whole bunch of others who are to be judged and they are referred to elsewhere in scripture. So for Methuselah to die in the flood is a possibility. I'm also intrigued that Lamech, Noah's father, died quite young. Enoch, of course, at 365 years, went just to be with God, but Lamech died very young, if you look in terms of the other ages. I'm intrigued that he lived for 777 years, because seven, biblically, is a very significant number. And so I wonder whether there's something in God's provision. Five years before the flood, God says, Lamech, you're coming home. So many things that we don't know. But so many things that we do know and the others we're left to wonder about and look forward to the day that we too will go home and we can ask and have some of those questions answered. But again, as we look at this, note, uh, this graphic, we note that as Andy did, that these aren't necessarily the firstborns. Seth was not the firstborn of Adam and Enosh was not necessarily the firstborn of Seth. Again, I think it's highly unlikely that you could live in that day and age for 325 years like Kenan and not have your first son a little bit earlier. You know, when you look at your, uh, create your family tree, you don't start writing it down and then you fill in each generation as they come. You start with yourself and you look at your parents and then their parents. You may track back down a couple of generations to find the cousins, etc., but basically you're tracking backwards. And so in the New Testament, where we have in Matthew uh, chapter 1 and in, and in uh, Luke chapter 3, where we have the, 
the lineage of Jesus that wasn't writing it down from the beginning, keeping it forward. It was starting at Jesus and working back to show the lineage and the connection back as you go. And so in this writing of this, God is having the author track back the lineage of Noah. Later on it becomes the lineage of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the lineage of David and lineage of Jesus. But it's interesting to think that if this is Noah's papa, this is yours and mine as well. For we are all descendants of Noah. Things we tend to forget. We all think we're descended from Adam, but we're actually also all descended from Noah. From Cain to Lamech, what was communicated was a simple lineage, names only. Except for Lamech and his sons, of course, who he discovered that Lamech was notable for his disobedience a couple of Sundays ago. And uh, Lamech's sons were notable as farmers, musicians, and metal workers. Significant achievements, albeit worldly and temporary, for they will soon come to nothing. The achievements of this world will soon pass away. Well, obviously, we uh, read here is far from the full story. There is something being communicated by what is recorded. See, it's not that... Um, Cain's descendants didn't live long lives. They would have lived long lives. It's not they didn't have other sons and daughters, but the, 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 the author is communicating the fact that the things that they were notable for were the things that they could achieve in this life. Whereas the godly line is different. So we go back to uh, Genesis 1. 28, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish, etc., etc. We were commanded to go forth and multiply and to fill the earth. And so the descendants of Seth are recorded not only as names, not only as descendants of Seth and as ancestors of Noah, they also had a place in multiplication. They didn't just have a place in the story. All of them had sons and daughters. All of them were obedient in doing what God had given us the command to do. It's not that Cain's descendants didn't go forth and multiply, but that's not what they were notable for. But we're not told much else about Seth's descendants other than that they lived long times and they went forth and they multiplied. They were obedient. I think there's a, there's a significance in this that will become increasingly obvious as we go into the beginning of next year and in the, in the post-flood stories. Building cities and farming and making music and metalworking, these are great and they're notable and important for the advancement of humanity. But of far greater importance is obedience. See, we're not told that these guys here didn't play musical instruments, that they didn't do anything with their hands. What we're told was significant about them was their obedience, whereas the other lineage, what was significant was their worldly accomplishments. 
It's not that having kids is more important. It's that obedience is more important. They were not only noted for their contribution to the population growth, but chapter 4 had concluded with a declaration that following the birth of Seth, son Enosh, at that time people began to call on the name of the Lord. As the lineage unfolds, there are men like Enoch, who not only stands out in his generation, but he stands out for all time as having walked with God. And then he was no more because God took him away. What do we want to be, what do we want to be remembered for? See, we, we have this trust. And I don't want the trust to be remembered for the good things we did in the community. For eternity, I want the trust to be remembered for the people whose lives were changed forever through the working of the trust. In Hebrews 11, where we read of the great heroes of the faith, we're told that by faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God, and without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I love that phrase. He rewards those who earnestly seek him. If we look forward to Genesis chapter 6 and verse 9, we're told that Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his times, and he walked faithfully with God. Great men of faith in this line of people, men, who'd been, men and women who had been calling on the name of God. And Lamech's father, again, we've got to look a little bit closer, but Lamech's father, when he lived 192, he had a son. He named him Noah because he said, he will comfort us in the labour and painful toil of our hands caused by the ground the Lord has cursed. Everyone else could see the hardship, but Lamech could see hope. Because when the curse came, there was also a promise of a deliverance. And so Lamech, as a man of faith, continued to hold on to that when all others, it would seem, had lost hope. While the descendants of Cain were looking to settle in their cities, to make a home, to make a, have a sense of belonging in this world, the descendants of Seth were calling on the name of the Lord. They were seeking to obey him, they were walking with him, and they were placing their faith in him. What do we want to be remembered for? The great things we have done in this life, or the godly lives that we have lived. Remember I said uh, two weeks ago, the sins of the fathers are visitors on the children to the third and fourth generation. We face the consequences of the decisions that we make are passed on to our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. But the, the blessings flow to a thousand generations of the righteous. And we see this passing in, in Seth's line, this blessing of righteousness played out as they continue to be obedient. Certainly it was a godly lineage, some more righteous than others, but it was a lineage worth 
preserving. And it was a lineage worth emulating, and then I've got in my notes, except for the bit about the kids. You know, we're not called to go forth and multiply and have lots of kids anymore. The earth is kind of filled now. But we still have a command to go forth and multiply. Because one of the last things Jesus said before he left this world was to go into all the world and make disciples. One of the things that for me stands out as we unfold this story over the next three or four months as we go into uh, through the flood and we go into the beginning of next year is keeping in mind the command that we are given to go and make disciples. Because will we walk in Seth's line and continue to multiply, continue to be fruitful, continue in obedience and be known for those things? Or will we be like the descendants of Cain who look for the opportunity to settle down and as we find in the story of Babel, they found a nice place and they settled and they began to build a tower to reach into the sky to make a name for themselves. What generation, what, uh, what uh, heritage do we want to live and leave? God bless you. Thank you for listening to this message from the chapel in Teatitu. For more information about the chapel, please visit www.thechapel.org.nz or email info at thechapel.org.nz.